Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Like friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate you and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Is tech out of the woods yet? Oh, it was a tough week for the Amazons and the Netflixes. I heard obituaries all day about the highly overvalued digital implementers, digital explorers, and digital creators. To me, though, Amazon just flew a little too close to the sun, and Netflix was punished for being its usual conservative self, like I predicted on Monday. I think the big tech beatdown overshadowed a generally sedate day for the averages. Dow slipping 63 points. S&P and the Nasdaq both advanced 0.28%. Hey, by the way, nice comeback for the latter. So what happens next week? Well, the most important news next week isn't an earnings report at all. It's the phase one vaccine data from AstraZeneca and Oxford, the university, not the clothing company. This thing's already in large scale Phase three human trials. Phase one is mostly about safety, not efficacy. But they've got uh, they've got so big on the phase three so fast that you got to figure. Well, phase one data must be pretty compelling. It wouldn't waste our time and their money. Remember how the market soared this week when Moderna shared some positive data? The AstraZeneca results that are being published in The Lancet, one of the world's oldest medical journals on Monday, could be much bigger than that. The stock flew up huge late in the day, but that could be ranked speculation based on how much little rival Moderna soared on its good notices. And a nod, by the way, from Dr. Fauci. After the close Monday, once we get this stuff over, we're going to focus on IBM. Now, the company's got a new CEO. Its name is Arvin Christian. And though it's too early in his reign to expect radical changes, that said, we want to hear that IBM's winning some lucrative cloud business. We want to hear Watson making the company money. Big wins might take the pressure off the need to generate an upside surprise. Tuesday morning, we hear from Lockheed Martin. Oh, this is an interesting situation, people. Lockheed has a new CEO, Jim Takelich. Remember him? Formerly of American Tower. He's one of the best execs I've ever met. He turned that thing, what, he made from $2 billion to $100 billion. At the same time, two brokerage firms cut numbers. Numbers this morning from Lockheed. That's called de-risking. I don't want to put a whole position on until Jim speaks, but maybe half before, half after. 
We get results from Coca-Cola, too. It'll be difficult for them to blow away the numbers. When PepsiCo shot the lights out earlier this week, their big winner was snacks, Frito-Lay, not soda, which is suffering with so many restaurants shut down. Coke's well run. But what can you do if restaurants are shut down and convenience stores don't get as much business? PepsiCo stock did absolutely nothing on all that great news. I don't know how Coca-Cola can advance that much. After the close, Texas Insurance reports this. And this company actually had an erratic post-earnings track record of late. We want to know about demand, especially since their rival, Analog Devices, recently announced that it's acquiring Maxim Integrated. I wish Texas Insurance would be more aggressive like, that, like Analog, like ADI. But it just seems addicted to buying back stock. We want growth. You want an upside surprise? I'm actually expecting one from, holy cow, Snap, the parent of Snapchat. Because there are only so many good places to advertise online, and that's what people want these days. Snap's real. All the advertisers dig this thing now. They didn't when it started. Snap's really got its act together. I only wish the stock hadn't run so much in the quarter. Could be a letdown. The day traders keep betting on the airlines, so watch out when United Airlines supports. These companies are losing a fortune, people. I say take a pass. Just say no to most of the airlines. Wednesday night fireworks. Whoa, first from Microsoft, which could be the non-COVID key to the week. I expect a gigantic quarter that could send the stock back to the old highs. That's up 14 points from here. It's absolutely one of my favorites, uh, which is why we've owned it forever for my charitable trust, which you can follow along by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. Hey, then there's Tesla. I love Tesla, but it can't possibly live up to the 250% run it just had this year. Still, if it goes down, listen to me on this, okay? If it goes down the quarter, remember that Battery Day beckons on September 22nd. Day before my sister's birthday, probably not relevant. I bet Elon Musk has a new battery that can last 10 hours up to sleep, making this a buy into weakness. You want to hear that, don't you? Finally, we got Chipotle. I expect another terrific quarter during a perilous time for the restaurant industry. I don't know if they can still do the double digits, uh, same store sales, but maybe. Remember, Chipotle owns its stores. They don't franchise, which gives them a lot more flexibility than most chains. And it's how they've been able to respond to COVID with big digital initiatives, more uh, drive-through Chipotle lanes, and by the way, also some rent cuts. I love those guys. Thursday, we'll find out why ATT's been such a... I mean, look, you don't get an almost 7% yield unless something's pretty wrong, right? I mean, I'd call that a red flag. Now, uh, yeah, it, it might be an uh, buy, uh, but I, don't, I certainly don't want to anticipate it. I and mean, let's say it's a great number. It goes up like a buck, and the next day people start raising numbers. That's your chance. Even though we're in a recession, the railroads have been on fire. In a recession. All aboard. All aboard. Uh, with Union Pacific leading the way, I'm expecting some decent numbers here, but the stocks run so much, I think the bar might be too high. If any railroad can beat the expectations, though, it is UNP. Uh, we hear from CSX the day before this, uh, after the close on Wednesday. Now, I'm betting Union Pacific does better thanks to its West Coast port exposure and because of its efficiency ratio. You want a wild one that could deliver monster quarter? All right, I'll give you a wild one. It's called Tractor Supply. It says everything you need to move to the country and become a gentleman or gentlewoman farmer. Don't laugh. It's one of the most reliable retailers for gardeners everywhere. And gardening has ascended due to COVID and canning. The stock's up. Well, it's, that's ascending because of COVID. The stock's up 50% for the year. <laughs> yeah, tractor supply, TSCO. What you want is for the stock or any of these that I, I like to have some exogenous uh, you know, event that has nothing to do with tractor supply that sends the stock down and gives you a, a chance to be able to buy it ahead of what I think is going to be a great quarter. What will Twitter say about the hacking and the lack of sports and movie ads when it reports? It's been a disappointment of late. And I don't know of any upcoming events that can stir interest unless sports can come back and you watch it with sports. That's what I like to do. 
Airline alert. If you insist on owning or even trading, it's Southwest LUV. That's the best, okay? Bar none. It's the most profitable, and I doubt it will need help from the government. I can't say the same thing about American Airlines, AAL, which reports on the same day. That's the worst of the bunch, yet the day traders keep piling into it. Why? Because it has a low dollar amount per share, under 12. Personally, I'd stay away from the whole industry. But if for some crazy reason you need to own an airline, think of Southwest, not American. After the close, we have a tale of two semis, Intel and Skyworks. Intel seems like it's taking a bit of a step back here. It's getting clobbered by AMD lately. Skyworks, on the other hand, is a fantastic 5G play. I expect a blowout plus multiple quarters ahead. We'll still be talking 5G. Speaking of blots, we're going to get results from Boston Beer. And because of its sparkling seltzer brand, truly, this might be a very good quarter. I want you to be careful here. Constellation Brands, SDZ, has entered the fray with Corona Seltzer. I don't like going up against them. They're too good. Finally, on Friday, we've got the fabulous industrial Honeywell, which will emphasize its powerful software and environmental offers. CEO Darius Adamczyk, who was just on the show or uh, last week, is reinventing this company. It's more of a large-scale tech play, software play, that helps companies solve ecological logistics problems, big aerospace kicker. The marvel here, how can Honeywell keep crushing the numbers even as the aerospace industry is being pulverized? Simple innovation. Speaking of challenging, can American Express somehow triumph over the travel and leisure shutdown in a tough environment for small business lending? It might be too much to ask. Last but not least, Verizon should report a fine number that everyone will like. Stock acts more like a bond, and it will continue to be a core holding for anyone who wants solid income from a rock-solid dividend. You've got my blessing. Bottom line, big week for earnings, but even bigger week for vaccines. They hold the key, not companies. We'll pay more for the earnings of the non-COVID companies if The Lancet publishes some good news from AstraZeneca's vaccine trial. End of story. Let's go to Bob in Florida. Bob. Booyah, Kramer. Booyah, Bob. Hey, I am a 68-year-old retiree. Young man. I built primarily a fixed-income portfolio that at one time included Alco Aluminum Preferred. In November of 2016, Alco was spun off to Arconic Corporation and converted all my preferred stock to Arconic Non-Dividend Common. And it's faltered ever since. I finally broke even last week, so please tell me. Is it a possible growth stock, or should I take my profit and run well, away? People, it wasn't supposed to be a cyclical, but it's become a cyclical again. And I think you, frankly, I actually want you to hold it. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but I think they've finally gotten it together. Uh, I think you get, look, you're going to squeeze out a couple more points. It's not going to be a home run. All right. But thank you. And 68 is young. So you've got a lot of little speculation or economic there's all right. Let's go to Sam in Massachusetts. Sam. Hey, Jim, it's always nice to be able to talk to you. Same. I'm enjoying my membership at the Action Alerts Plus Club. Do you like that call this week? Information. Huh? You like that call this week? Oh, it's great. that's my favorite part. I thank love the calls. You. Thank I, you. I always like what's going on during the calls, but I love the calls. It's, thank you very you much. Lots of great information and a wonderful thing you do for charity. That makes thank you. you a great man in my book. Thank you. Quick shout out to a colleague of yours, Bob Pisani, who everyone knows is a knowledgeable and versatile analyst, but he also happens to have the best backdrop in television. And uh, he actually even rotates artwork in and out. Very classy man. All right. Jim, you know, you've been pretty outspoken on our nation's need to stop outsourcing the strategic raw materials and equipment we need to ensure the health and security of our nation and our people. Mm -hmm. The pandemic and ongoing tensions with China only underscores the need. Here's what I don't understand. We have a company coming public in a couple of weeks, early August, who represents to me 
a chance to at least eliminate the need to outsource our rare mineral uh, needs. Right. And and I'm just wondering, uh, there's not much noise, there's not much uh, excitement about it, and I'm wondering... Is MP Materials a good long-term investment? No, I'm not going to. I think it's too speculative for you, sir. I really do. There's so many other high-quality companies where we know so many things. I'm watching this Nikola, for instance. They did. They just jammed those millions of shares down people's throats just this evening. I want you to buy some quality companies that really have good dividends or a great growth track record, even though sometimes other stocks seem a lot sexier. All right, guys. Big, big week. But it's all going to be... On what everyone's bet, which is that AstraZeneca has a vaccine. On Man Money Tonight, a Twitter hack earlier this week showed that even the accounts of some of America's most high-profile politicians and executives aren't secure. I'm going to sit down with the CEO of CyberArk to find out how his company is working to help keep your information under wraps. Then after another week full of vaccine news, I'm eyeing a better way to invest in the COVID vaccine gold crush. And after a brutal week for the stay-at-home tech plays, I'm circling back to a technology company that never really got credit for being a COVID play. I'll reveal the under-the-radar tech player and stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is Constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a seventy-five dollar sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com/slash/MadMoney. Just go to Indeed.com/slash/MadMoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com/slash/MadMoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. days ago, Twitter got hacked. A bunch of crooks took control of several high-profile accounts to promote a weird Bitcoin scam. 
To be honest, I was stunned by the lack of ambition. The hackers could have caused an international incident or thrown a monkey wrench into a political system. Instead, they made a little over $100,000 in cryptocurrency. But what's really disturbing is how it all happened. The hackers got into a bunch of big accounts because Twitter itself was compromised. Yes, the company. They got into an internal administrative tool. Now, when I heard that detail, I knew we had to speak with CyberArk, the Israeli cybersecurity company that specializes in protecting administrator accounts. The very thing that got compromised at Twitter. This was a perfect real-life example of why companies need CyberArk services. Now, they can't talk about individual clients. But after this data breach, we need to talk to an expert. So let's take a closer look with Udi Makati, the founder, chairman, and CEO of CyberArk, to get a better sense of how this company prevents incidents like this from happening. Udi, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. Good to be back and miss seeing you in person. Oh, the same. This stuff is just starting to drive everybody crazy. And I know we're only in our fourth month, so we got some time on our hands. So uh, can you tell me, give me a little perspective on this kind of attack? Because uh, it's quite chilling, obviously, whether it could be a nation state, guys who are making money, who just want to shake down. Because uh, I know you told us about ransomware. I need to try to get our viewers to understand what could happen here. Uh, like, like you said, Jim, this is a, a classic attack where the uh, attackers are able to get privilege access. So the privilege access was the pathway. Uh, and it doesn't matter if uh, you're a social media company or a healthcare company, uh, what the attackers go after are the crown jewels of that company. And in this case, it's getting those administrative controls to be able to control all of the accounts. And like you said, it could have been uh, worse, uh, but they did get to a full control uh, position and, and at least what they want. Well, what, what, what I need you to tell me is, Aren't there some things you just can't stop, Udi? I mean, look, let's say you have a trusted employee and that employee goes rogue. Uh, with you, or, or we know you bought it, made a great acquisition or identity software like Okta, another company we know. How do you really prevent fraud, scandal, uh, illegal activity when you can't trust everybody? Well, uh, so, Jim, this is actually a classic one where it can't be prevented. And, uh, and, and uh, privilege access management is all about assuming that, yes, they'll be able to get some employee uh, to, to click on, on, on phishing or otherwise social engineer the employee, but they should never have access to the full administrative console. And privilege access management creates an isolation of that. We require uh, uh, dual control. Maybe you need approval from something, somebody else, uh, anomaly detection to make sure that uh, you don't have a rogue session going on. So this can be prevented. And uh, we've seen companies use privilege access management to prevent uh, the, the kind of the point of no return of the attack. The, right. the, the part can happen. All right. So it, can we compare it, say, to a, a submarine where they have a leak and they can try to shut that area down? I mean, they have compartments because I thought that this one or two group of people got a hold of everybody who's important. It's exactly that. Having compartmentalization and to say uh, users or uh, with with very strong access that can take full control over the environment should have to go through multiple uh, layers um, and 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 to have that uh, that control uh, in in place. And by the way, it doesn't matter if it's social media; it can be a healthcare company. We're we're seeing attackers these days go after researchers that are trying to uh, to find a solution for uh, a cure for the for the virus. And what are they doing? Spear phishing. They're trying to get in the easy way. Somebody's going to click on a link. But those companies have to think about what are my crown jewels, and I want to make sure nobody can access these crown jewels. And, and Jim, you mentioned our acquisition of Adaptive. We're very excited about that. We, we announced it in May and actually allows CyberArk to take an even broader uh, approach to identity security. Start with privilege access first, but then look at other types of users that can have strong privileges and make sure we have control over them. 
Now, uh, when I think about this, I got to ask you, you don't have to name any clients, but did your phone ring off the hook? Did a bunch of people, companies say, oh, my God, this could happen to us, particularly these healthier companies, because there's tens of billions of dollars on the line with COVID. Uh, similar to uh, uh, famous attacks that happened, uh, I would say, a couple of years ago, this has been the classic. All right. I mean, I mean, every, the announcement that Twitter put out there was administrative access. And for that, uh, this is what we're known for. Uh, we, we believe this uh, uh, will further show that every company out there has to secure uh, uh, privilege uh, access. And, uh, and it's doable. To back, back to your first, uh, uh, first question. Um, next week, we're actually, we have a, a, a user conference with more than 10,000 uh, cybersecurity experts, and we're going to be talking about uh, expanding uh, our, our expanding strategy into identity security and to solve these things and and allow allow the workers from home, allow the employees to do what they need to do, but prevent uh, attackers from from uh, uh, escalating and taking control. By going uh, and having all these workers at home, and they did it. They all brag about how fast they did it. There have to be places, just holes. Where people say, okay, that guy left, oh, that guy there, this guy, oh, this guy's not there anymore. I'm going to get that guy's password. Uh, COVID-19 definitely accelerated uh, uh, the need for, for our cloud-based security solutions and, and, uh, and, and to put these layers in place because you have companies really r- uh, running to, to get back on- online. Uh, the perimeter evaporated. There is no perimeter. Identity becomes the new perimeter. People are working from home. They're sometimes using their, their, their spouse's uh, uh, laptop. And so for the attackers, it's a it's a very unique uh, uh, opportunity to get that first football. And it's relatively easy. And, and that's why it should be kind of assumed. We should try to prevent that, but it should kind of be assumed. And the security strategy has to be, OK, if they get that first foothold, what do we do? Because, uh, again, the world is now uh, the, the attack surface has has increased and the motivation for the hackers has increased. Um, Udi, how safe is uh, our election going to be from a uh, nation state hacking? Uh, I, I think on the social media side, uh, that's that's beyond our, uh, our our preview because it's uh, that that's that's a bigger uh, a bigger topic. And, and if we could just educate the the generation to choose their sources and and how they consume uh, uh, information, but that's beyond uh, what what we do. Um, uh, we work a lot uh, with with the federal uh, uh, government, and we see a lot of smart people uh, uh, there, and um, and also putting a lot of uh, uh, I would say security layers uh, in place. It's not bulletproof, and um, and there should be a lot of focus on ensuring that uh, that anything that happens has has control and monitoring over it. How can I uh, be sure that someone isn't being me? Uh, well, it's the the, the for, for a personal for us as 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 personal, we really have to make sure we secure our own um, uh, identities um, and uh, use uh, strong passwords and uh, and uh, never never give them uh, give them away. Um, and the same thing for, uh, for, for corporations is uh, to just assume that this is the new, the new normal, is that there's a lot of motivation for people to steal, uh, um, uh, I would say, uh, uh, folks out there's uh, identities. But of course, corporations are the biggest uh, targets to be very suspicious, be very careful. Um, and uh, I would say use some best practices, whether it's the consumers out there or, or organizations. There are best practices to, uh, I would say, re- reduce the attack uh, radius and, and mm-hmm. the impact from it. Well, Udi, it's always, I'm so glad you came on because it was very baffling. Uh, and I know you can't talk about individual clients, but I do know I wish that uh, that Cyborg would win any situation that I could be compromised. So thank you so much, Udi McCutty, Chairman and CEO of Cyborg. Always good to see you, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hopefully next time in person, Mad Money's back after the break. 
this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. After another week full of exciting vaccine news, positive data from Moderna, which sent them to the moon, an accelerated clinical trial timeline from Johnson Johnson, which did nothing for the stock. You know what I want to do? I want to come up with a better way to invest in this thing. I mean, it's just gotten to be too much of a dice roll. I'm not comfortable with it. This vaccine gold rush is starting to bother me. Gold rush. Hmm. Let's keep that in mind. You got my blessing to buy the big farm and biotech companies that are working overtime to beat the virus. Here I'm thinking about J&J, Pfizer, especially Regeneron, and perhaps AstraZeneca, depending upon the information we learned from Lancet Monday that I talked about at the top of the show. These are all diversified companies, though, and they are not pure plays in the pandemic. All right, how about these smaller vaccine developers that you see at the bottom of the, what we call the crawl, where they're always going up, making crazy moves? Well, most of them are, are too risky for me, especially after they've had such enormous runs. Of course, I said the same thing about Novavax a few weeks ago. And then a few week, days later, they want a massive $1.6 billion commitment from the federal government to help manufacture their still unproven vaccine. And that turned the stock into a rocket ship. It was up again today. I was too cautious to know. I've actually got to own that. When you make your mistakes, you just got to come out of here and say it. Uh, but it was trading in the 70s. I thought it was had a monster run already. But now it's doubled. And just looking at that chart does give me vertigo. Although I am, as they say, not the call of Novavax. Early I was, not later. All these stocks, though, are wild traders. And I, I want to be more thoughtful than to speculate endlessly on who is in front and who isn't. The horse race just continues. Remember, all these little vaccine developers with COVID exposure are roaring here. But there can be only most likely, let's say, three or four actual winners. It's not like you need 100 different vaccines, right? Even as more than 100 companies worldwide are racing against each other to develop one. Now, some of them will be losers. Either their clinical trials fail or they can't mass produce fast enough or somebody else beats them to the punch with a better product. The winner could make you a fortune if it's one of these smaller names. But the losers, they're going to implode. So rather than participating in the gold rush for COVID vaccines, a gold rush with only a couple actual gold deposits and a whole lot of, let's say, copper, I want to take our cue from the California gold rush. Most of the people who got rich back then weren't searching for the precious metal. They were selling pans, picks, and shovels, and of course, Levi's. Or to use a different metaphor, 
rather than jumping into the battle to come up uh, with a vaccine after all these stocks have soared, why not just buy the arms dealers to supply everybody? I got four of them. Abbott Labs. I know I talk about that a lot. Thermo Fisher. I used to talk about that more. Danaher. That was always a fave. And Honeywell, which we have focused on forever. So let's start with Abbott Labs, ABT, the huge medical device and diagnostic equipment maker that's making a fortune from COVID testing, which they say could be a two to $2.5 billion business. Yesterday morning, Abbott reported a phenomenal quarter, and the stock did nothing. I told you it would rally today, and sure enough, everybody raised target, and it gained 3%. I told you that could happen. I think it's got a lot more room to run them. Going into the quarter, there was some concern about the company's medical device division. That's because so many people have had to postpone non-urgent surgeries thanks to the pandemic and the number of hospital beds. Turns out, you know what? There was no reason to fear. Abbott posted a huge top and bottom line beat with management guiding for $3.25 in earnings per share this year. The analysts were looking for $2.86. I'm saying that's one of the biggest beats I've seen, especially for the large caps. Keep in mind. They got five COVID-19 tests, the best in the business, which is how the molecular diagnosis business pointed tripled during the quarter. Their diabetes business up 28 percent. And that's thanks to their painless blue sh- blood sugar monitor, the glucose monitor. It's, a, uh, I'd say, a less souped up version than the, the Dexcom that we always talk about. And they've got so much other stuff in the pipeline. I can't go. It, it would take too long to go over. Abbott's trajectory is pretty straightforward. Stock soared from mid-March to mid-April. When the virus was out of control, then it spent a couple months trading sideways as a, there was a CEO transition. And it also looked like they were, uh, were making some progress. But with the latest outbreak causing a surge in testing, the stock started roaring again. And the new CEO thought he handled himself pretty well in the conference call. Right now, Abbott's at 99. And if it breaks out above $100, I'm betting there'll be another leg higher. It's one of the best big cap growth companies, get this, ever created. And that's because I'm looking at the total performance since it was created. Next, there's Therm. Well, since no, since Miles White took it over and he's now retired. Uh, Mr. Ford's running it now. Seems very able. Next, there's Thermo Fisher. That's Mark Casper's company. It's another fantastic grower that makes medical instruments and laboratory equipment. Long a fave, a classic arms dealer to the pharmaceutical industry. Now, we last spoke to CEO Casper on March 16th, right after Thermo Fisher got its first COVID-19 test approved by the FDA. Remember, he went to the White House. What a story. Since then, the stock has rallied more than 40 percent. You know what? It's not done. I think TMO's got more room to run. And it's not just testing. Their equipment helps collect virus samples. They're making a million of these viral collection tubes a week. And the lab gear that's used to develop drugs as well as vaccines. When Thermo Fisher last reported at the end of April, they shot the lights out. And then they pre-announced some terrific second quarter sales numbers earlier this month. The company's talking about 10% organic growth. I mean, these companies are extraordinary. The only problem here is that the stock's been such a juggernaut, you haven't really gotten a chance to buy it in weakness. I think you can put on a small position, though, here, and then hope for a pullback that gives you a better entry point. The company reports its full numbers next Wednesday. Won't be a surprise, though. And we know the quarter was great. But maybe this turns out to be a sell-the-news event. People say, oh, I know, that was boring. And then you got to pounce on the dip. Thermal Fisher is trying to acquire a genetic test maker, Quiagen. The deal was announced in March, but it's been held up because some major shareholders want more money. Thermo Fisher just sweetened its bid, but maybe that wasn't enough. Hey, you know what? That whole unfolding drama here could give you a rare pullback. Be ready. All right, how about another old Kramer fave, Danaher? The old Danaher was a diversified industrial, but they spun off a, a, a bunch of the slower-growing businesses. Now it's mainly a life science and diagnostics play, especially since they acquired the just the cream of the crop, the pristine GE biopharma unit earlier this year. GE had to sell. They needed the money. Now, their Thermo Fisher's next closest competitor, they've got a ton 
of COVID testing exposure. And their last quarter was very strong. Remember, these are all fantastic companies. Dana Her reports again next Thursday. They haven't pre-announced, but I am confident it's going to be solid. Might be a buy ahead. Like Thermo Fisher, the stock's had a giant run. You really haven't had a chance to buy it since the March low weakness. Dana's got great management, though, so put it on your shopping list because this one's absolutely worth buying into weakness. Remember, markets go down for no reason whatsoever, as we saw earlier this week. Maybe that's your chance. Finally, there's Honeywell. Okay, not a pure play on life science. We know that. Uh, we just had Darius Dam check on last week when we announced the mask competition. While Honeywell's a major producer of the N95 mask, personal protective equipment for healthcare, next-generation medical equipment, and healthy buildings equipment that make it it's possible to safely reopen your business environment, they've also got a ton of aerospace exposure. Obviously, there's not a lot of demand for new aircraft right now, but not, not, many, not many people are flying. That's why Honeywell stock is well off its highs. This is not a great short-term play. The stock's going to be hobbled until we actually get a vaccine. We know that. But uh, longer term, I'm a gigantic believer in Honeywell. And I like that you can get it at a discount right now. This thing sells for less than 18 times 2022 earnings. Got a solid 2.3% yield. I think they'll do just fine as they help other companies prepare to reopen safely. And then the stock will take off like a rocket once we get the pandemic under control. There's no hurry. If you want to buy this one, you should go slowly because I think you get a better entry point down the road. Honeywell's reinventing itself as a software and solutions play. And I hope this story comes out enough when they report on Friday so that people realize it's not just an aerospace company with some flotsam and jetsam divisions. It's the opposite. The bottom line, rather than chasing the covid vaccine developers that are panning for gold, I want to go with the equipment suppliers that sell the medical equivalent of pans and picks and shovels to the gold miners. You got Abbott Labs, Danner and Thermo Fisher. If you want something closer to a pure play or Honeywell for a longer term play on both fighting covid and fully reopening the economy, keeping the air clean and everything else. William in Massachusetts. William. Hey, Jim. How you doing, man? First time caller. How are you? I am doing well. How about you? Good, good, good. Listen, with the new school year approaching, the massive surge in COVID-19 cases and the importance of keeping our children safe, what is your opinion on this tech-based educational company, Tecosubo LRN, Okay. Incorporated? Um, you know, this is one... That could be like Novavax for me. I feel like the 128 percent move has run has made it so that there's not enough left in it. I, I look at this and I say to myself, wow, I should have been recommending it at 27. Uh, now it's at 46. So I'm going to have to say that I missed this one. If it goes still higher, I just don't know what to do. I, it's too risky up here. Joe in Massachusetts. Joe. Hey, Jim. Booyah. Booyah, Joe. I love the uh, interaction between you and the guy from Acorn yesterday. Uh, Kurt, no, he's a terrific guy. He said that nice story about his ma. You know, that's terrific. I know, beautiful story. Yeah. I, I just had a question about the stock box, B-O-X. Yeah, you know, look, I, I, I think that Aaron does a good job. Um, my problem is, is that it doesn't have the growth that a company needs that's in storage. I mean, look, I'd rather buy Salesforce. I'm not kidding. And I know Aaron and Mark, they're all terrific guys. And I've met uh, Aaron through Mark. But I think Salesforce down after a huge pullback this week, much more value. Value. Thank you so much. All right. Take a look at the equipment suppliers. You now have a list of, of a few solid plays. Now, much more may have money yet. I'll reveal an under-the-radar COVID play that may be worth considering here just, just ahead. Then, after strong housing starts for June, I'll reveal the big winners in the space to see if they could help you build a strong foundation. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. 
Monday, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. Next week's when it, when it's when it gets interesting. Oh my, and I love next week. It's just so much fun. I mean, you, you can't sleep. I usually don't sleep. I do an all-nighter between Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, and, but I'm going to wear a tie just because I like to look respectable on TV. It's what I do. It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. After a brutal week for the stay-at-home tech plays, I want to circle back to a technology company that never really got credit for being a COVID play. I'm talking about Nutanix, the cloud software company that helps businesses modernize their data centers by combining all their server management, storage, and virtualization needs into one package. Nutanix used to be more of a hardware company, but they spent the last couple of years transitioning to more of a software-as-a-service outfit. It took a while for them to get the hang of it, but by the end of last year, the company had turned a corner. Then the pandemic hit, the stock got pulverized, never really bounced back. When Nutanix reported in late February, management gave some very conservative guidance for the upcoming quarter, which freaked people out, sent the stock plummeting from the high 30s to the low teens. However, when the company reported its actual quarterly report at the end of May, I don't know, the results came in much better than expected. Turns out Nutanix's infrastructure helps clients set up remote work for their employees better than we thought. I think they deserve more credit here, even after the stock jumped 8.4% today, after a tech publication listed Nutanix as a possible takeover target. To me, that's a sideshow. What matters is that the business seems to be thriving here after some weakness this past winter. Do not take it from me. Let's go back to the well here to go to Deeridge Panday. He's the founder, chairman, and CEO of Nutanix. Get a better sense of how this company's holding up. Mr. Panday, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you so much, Jim, and uh, thanks for having me again. Hope you and your uh, loved ones are safe and well. Well, we're sure trying. I hope the same for you, sir. Thank you. Okay, so I, I am trying to figure out what happened here. In February, you were a little bit cautious. Uh, everybody was. Uh, and then you did a great job. And it looked like that you're helping a lot of companies uh, that had to have people go home and uh, work from home. And it turned out that Nutanix was a winner for that. And we haven't given you enough credit. No, thank you for uh, saying that, uh, Jim. I think uh, as a company, we started almost 10 years ago in a recession. And the first workload, the killer workload for hyperconvergence was virtual desktops. You know, people said Windows is dead and we said long live Windows. And we went after federal customers and did an amazing job of building a very reliable company. Just taking a step back, you know, uh, we're in the business of building cloud software. And uh, a lot of this uh, comes down to the word software and cloud. You mentioned we moved from hardware to software, but we're really thinking hard about being amorphous, being everywhere, being in the private data centers at the edge and in the public cloud. Uh, And because cloud is hard, you know, you really need to make it simple, seamless and secure. But most importantly, you got to have a subscription business model, just like Netflix, just like Adobe, just like Microsoft, you know, customers subscribe and we stream innovation. So we've been streaming a lot to our customers. You know, we talked about Home Depot recently, you know, they're seeing a record demand uh, in the pandemic, and we really help them consolidate uh, their infrastructure. But, uh, but consolidate- is, is it not true, though? I mean, you're switching from uh, license to subscription, so it's hard to really tell for our viewers at home how well you are doing. How, what's the best way we can measure Nutanix's performance? I think the best way is a cloud subscription currency. And we started talking about it as of last quarter. We grew really well. 
uh, annual contract value. Because, you know, you think about it, uh, cloud is about consuming smaller things. You know, hardware was about seven-year entitlements. Software is still five to seven years. We're saying let's go do three-year terms and one-year terms because you've got to start small. And the recession is also the best time to go back and bite-size what customers really want to buy. So annual contract value is the way we are measuring our uh, growth. Mm -hmm. We grew 22%, as I said. And it's also going to make this whole transition. You know, you, I talked about Netflix and others. This whole transition unlocks amazing operational efficiencies for the company as well as we go and talk about renewals versus uh, new ACV. Okay, so who do you partner with? Because I know we have had VMware on many times, and they seem to have locked up, say, Amazon Web Services. I know it's hard, hard, hard to partner with Dell because they're so close to VMware. HPE, but they've kind of switched in a different direction. Uh, we have IBM reporting on Monday. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm just trying to figure out, because your company's not that big. I'm trying to figure out, like, who's in there with you? Well, let me start out with this, that if you take uh, VMware's renewals business out, which is you know, an extra 10 years of head start, we are only one third the size of VMware in new business. And all our business has been new business up until now. Only 5% of our business is renewals because we're such a young company. And we partner with all the names you just mentioned. You talked about Dell. We do hundreds of millions of dollars for them, actually, as a business. And that's just... You know, we live in this massively large cooperative environment. You have to compete and cooperate at the same time with all the partners. And the public cloud itself, look, it's going to be architectural. You know, almost seven, eight years ago, you mentioned VMware. They came up with this coalition of the willing with Cisco and EMC and VMware coming together to form this thing called converged infrastructure. They were putting things in racks and having a 1-800 support number to say we are converged. And we said it's about the architecture. It has to be about software. It has to be about scale out. It has to be about commodity servers, commodity storage. And we finally won. Nobody talks about converged infrastructure anymore. No. This new convergence with public and private is going to be about architecture, subscription licensing, you subscribe, we stream, and finally software for everybody. We're okay. going to go and use the commits and the credits that the customers have already promised to Amazon and Azure and we go and run our software on top of it. Okay. And our software will not take sides about on-prem versus off-prem. Right. That is architecture. Well, one, let me say that just on today, uh, literally on a halftime show, uh, John Nigerian noted that there's just been a huge amount of calls, by, uh, calls being bought on Nutanix. Now, this is really your company. You're the founder. If you don't want to sell, you're not selling. So I'm just presuming that this may be someone speculating on something that's probably not going to occur. Well, we don't speculate in speculation. Okay. I think uh, in the last six years, you think about it, uh, we were a virtual desktop infrastructure, then we were a hyper-convergence company. Today, we have a really good shot at becoming a hybrid cloud software company in the next three to five years. Look, I think all subscription transitions have unlocked tremendous okay. value for shareholders. Tremendous, you know, five to 10x to 20x. I sit on Adobe's board, Jim, and as you know, there's so much value that is unlocked. Oh, in completely. I know, and we love Adobe too. Think but, about it. You know, the shareholders are, and they saw this with Netflix and Microsoft and, and Autodesk and Cadence and all these companies. We're in the midst of this. We are so close. 85% of our business is subscription. All right. Well, we'll look, we're going we're gonna to have to wrap it. I know you guys are in the thick of it. And, uh, and you should, we should think of you more than we have when we developed our uh, work at home indices. Thank you so much, Deerage. Great to see you, sir. 
Jirish Pandey is the founder, chairman, and CEO of Nutanix, which is right in the thick of things when it comes to a cloud virtualization and trying to help companies get into a hyper-converged environment. Yeah, money's back into the break. It is time! It's time for the light round paper and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski day! Come the light round clears up. Let's start with Michael in Minnesota. Michael! Well, yeah, Jim, and thanks for inviting me back today after the technical difficulties of yesterday. I appreciate it, and your hardworking staff, they deserve more paid vacations to Italy. Well, if we could go there, we go! What's up? <laughs> Hey, Jim, I'm interested in your opinion on uh, a medical cannabis company, Innovative Industrial Property. Oh, you're going the uh, warehouse picks and pans way. Well, that I can get into. I think that's an interesting stock, and it's got a good yield. Let's go to Ellen in New York. Ellen. Yes. Hi, Jim. Ellen. from New York. Love and watch your show almost every night. Thank you. My stock, you're welcome. My stock is Draft Kings. All right, this stock has been a, a red-hot stock, but you know what? They just got the Premier Soccer League um, for uh, they're the soul, uh, basically the soul of sports book. Uh, I think that they're brilliant guys. We had them on. I'm not going to bet against them. <laughs> That's it. Well. Okay, let's go to Laura in Virginia. Laura. Hi, Jim. Great to be on your show. I'm a big fan. Oh, thank uh, you, Laura. So, Fran has been... Talking to me about Caroline Key out to some time. And I really would like to hear your thoughts on whether it's worth buying and, you know, how much potential you think it has long term. Which one? I'm sorry? Turdine. Turdine's a very good company. It's been, it got a great legacy, but it's just, I would own that. Um, let me think if this is the right time to do it. Te- yes, absolutely. I think it's okay at 86. Let's go to Joseph in Texas. Joseph. Yeah, hey, Jim. Booyah from Central Texas. Oh, fantastic. I mean, hey, good luck there health-wise. Wow, what's going on? Well, you know, I am new to the stock game. I went to the hospital last February for one thing and came home with the flu, and I thought there has to be a better way. I did some research, discovered Teladoc, discovered fractional shares, and it was game on. And, uh, good for you. You know, I'm a gambler. I like gambling. But I will bet on six and eight at the craps table all night long and stay off the center table. I don't like I don't like too much risk. All right. Anyway, my my question is, um, I started a landscape business. And I've been throwing a percentage of my my daily monies into fractional shares. Okay. But big okay big lots. It has a straight A rating from Zach Strong Five, but it just doesn't have any life. Yeah, but um, you know what? It's got an activist in there, and you could see some life. And I have not liked Big Lots historically, but the activists are very, very smart. I'm going to tell you, you can hold on to that, but you got to stay close to that. It's going to need continued homework. If the activists get out, you have to get out. Paul and Marilyn, Paul. Booyah, Jim. First time caller here. Okay. I wonder what your thoughts are on Jumia. No, no, that thing's too nutty. I mean, that thing opened up really huge, then it came all the way down. We're going to take a pass on Jumia, but we we can't, we got to be in some names that aren't speculative. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
You want to know why this economy is hanging in there despite the worst job market in ages? Well, some of it's the $2.2 trillion stimulus package, but a lot of it comes down to our valiant Fed chief, Jay Powell. Powell recognized that lower rates will stimulate housing, and holy cow, was he right? We just got single-family housing start numbers this morning that were incredible, up 17% year-over-year, rising to nearly 1.2 million. But more important, we're running out of inventory. Can you imagine? Because mortgage rates are so low, we need 1.5 million new homes to meet demand. That's according to the National Association of Realtors. That's fabulous news. This housing punches above its weight. While it's only 10% of the economy, the multiplier effect of that 10% is absolutely enormous. Consider what goes into a house. You got lumber, copper, glass, paint, just to start the basics, cabinets, sinks, appliances, wiring. I like Masco and PPG for those, and I'm not deterred by the decline in PPG stock today. I thought the quarter was fine. That's paint. Of course, when you're building o- over a million new homes, it's not just the houses themselves. You need new roads. Try Vulcan and uh, Martin Marietta Materials. They sell what's known as aggregates for road building. You need tools. Think Stanley Black & Decker. That stock keeps going to the moon. Keeps beating the numbers. You need something to maintain all those suburban lawns. How about a deer? I also like Scott's Miracle Grow as a play on great-looking lawns and plants, along with the aptly named Pool Corp. In fact, Pool Corp's a double winner here because COVID-19 means that home is really the only place where it's safe to go swimming. The stock's already up nearly 40% for the year, but I think it's got more room to run because there's so much housing demand. All this construction generates a massive amount of garbage, right? Waste management has told us many time, uh, times that it thrives when building lots of houses. As a matter of fact, it's the best line of the business. Stock's down 18 bucks from its high, and as we told ActionAlertsPlus.com members on our conference call this week, this may be one of the most reasonably gro- reasonable growth stories out there when so many are saying that all growth's too expensive. Now, let's talk retail winners. First, there's Best Buy, because when you're trapped inside, you might as well take that vacation money you've saved up and build yourself a home theater, or at least get on a dynamite screen. It's not like we're going to the movies anytime soon. Uh, so we go to Best Buy to keep ourselves Overly entertained. Then there's two of my favorites, Home Depot and Lowe's. Now, Home Depot's been the leader here, and it's still a fantastic stock. You can buy it all you want, even after this terrific run. But you know what? This Lowe's is now my favorite because CEO Marvin Ellison is really turning things around. For years, Lowe's spent too little on technology. That's no longer the case. And I think the surging online business will give them a big earnings boost. They're not yet competitive with Home Depot, but they're getting closer. Back in the day, Home Depot underspent on technology and Lowe's was the leader. Hey, you know what? We might be returning to that old pecking order. But remember, I like them both. Of course, let's not forget about the most obvious winners from a booming housing market, the home builders, Lennar, D.R. Horton, Toll Brothers. Still, I prefer the component place because the builders, well, let's just say uh, they're not as consistent as the component place. Uh, And the components have renovation exposure that smooths things out. They're not just new housings. Uh, They're not just so correlated to housing starts. Right now, you hear a ton of stories about how low rates hurt the banks. That's true. We saw that this week when they reported. But it's also a ridiculous thing to worry about if you care about the economy as a whole, which is really Jay Powell's job. Other than the banks, low rates are great for business because a booming housing market is much more important than the financials making less money off your deposits. Are we really going to lament the fact that our mortgage rates are too low? That's silly. This is not that complicated, people. You're probably not a bank, but there's a good chance you're a homeowner. Do the math. Stick with Crick. two days, we'll probably know whether this AstraZeneca Oxford vaccine has great promise. I know the market still thinks so. I sure hope so. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise I'll try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. 
I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you Monday. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.